general became a slave. The slave who became a gladiator. The gladiator defied an emperor. Only a famous death will do. The frost. Sometimes it makes the blade stick. You find yourself alone, riding in green fields with the sun on your face. Do not be troubled, for you are in Elysium, and you're already dead! Brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. I like you. Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 35. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And this week we watched the 2000 movie Gladiator. So Charles, tell us about Gladiator. Alright, so Gladiator is about a Roman general uh, named Maximus. Uh, and um, the Emperor Marcus Aurelius um, likes this guy and trusts him to take over the reins of the Empire once he dies. Uh, however, the Emperor's son, Commodus, is very insecure and very power-hungry and has a lot of daddy issues. And once he's told of this plan, he immediately kills his father and takes over power of the Empire. And when Maximus won't declare his loyalty to Commodus, he has Maximus executed and his family killed. But Maximus manages to survive the execution but goes back home and sees that his family has been murdered and then gets captured, the slavers, and uh, becomes a gladiator in Northern Africa. He is very good because he was a general in skilled at combat, and he finds out that this is his path to get back to Rome because they have a big coliseum there that's holding gladiatorial battles. So it's his path to get back to Rome, vie for revenge against Commodus. So yeah, he wins over the people, does get his ticket back to Rome to fight in the gladiatorial battles there, and also manages to like work on a rebellion in the background um, with his loyal troops that are still left over. Let's see, he does win over the audience in Rome, uh, so Commodus starts losing power a bit because they're all rooting for this guy. Let's see, it all comes to a head when uh, he tries to stage an active rebellion um, but Commodus finds out about it and and like completely squashes it. It totally fails. Since Maximus has won over the people, Commodus apparently can't just execute him. Uh, he has to challenge him to a gladiatorial fight to make it a legitimate killing or something like that. Even having wounded Maximus, uh, he still can't beat him and gets killed. Um, but Maximus does still die to his wounds. Um, but they do return the government back to the Senate the proper government, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's the end of the movie. That was okay. thorough. Yeah. That was <laughs> it's, like completionist. It's a weirdly complicated plot. Yeah. It's very plotty. Yeah. And you really hit on pretty much all of it. Yeah. That was one of the best like overviews. <laughs> <you've> <laughs> yeah. Got to this point, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, Craftsman, this was this was your pick. Uh, what do you like about Glad? Or why'd you pick Gladiator? Yeah, I was worried this was going to be like another Tombstone where like. Yeah, I don't think oh, it was. I'll, I'll say it now. I don't think it was like that. Or, but go ahead. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree completely. But I was worried it was going to be because it's one of these, like, it, it came out in 2000, but, you know, it was obviously made in the late 90s and yeah. was worried it was going to, like, sort of, like, go down the path of Tombstone where it, like, didn't hold up in, like, a moral sense, I guess. Yeah. 
or even as like a movie sense. But I, th- this is a fun movie, and it's uh, I think it's well regarded, not critically. Yeah, it <laughs> it wasn't. No, it, not um, now. It, it it got a lot of it, a lot of backlash. I think it's the best example of like the best picture effect, right? Like where a movie will win best picture and will be like put under a microscope and like uh, I criticized a lot more heavily. This movie won best picture. This movie won best picture in two thousand at the two thousand one Oscars came out in two thousand. Um, yeah, it's yes. seventy six percent Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is higher than when it was originally rated. Definitely, so I, I, I checked actually. Like, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's an interesting, like, sort of history. It's an interesting way to like treat historical fiction. Really strong emphasis on the fiction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Because it's like a pastiche of like real things that happen, yeah. but then sort of cobbled together into a much simpler storyline. Uh, but it does a good job of like uh, taking what is like a very like complex storyline and kind of distilling it down into a few characters that are much easier to track mm-hmm. and on top of this it like layers all these great action sequences so yeah. that's yeah. why I like this movie yeah I'm into it too I, I think it works uh, for a lot of those same reasons so I'm going to make this joke right now up front so we never have to make it again it will be the one time we make this joke <laughs> on this episode Charles were you not entertained <laughs> Yes, I was definitely entertained okay, by there this we go. movie. Now we're done. We nice. never have to. We never have to use that line again. That's that was it. Um, yeah, I thought I thought this movie uh, was really badass and well written. <laughs> um, the characters were great. Uh, I liked a lot of the lines and moments. The action scenes were incredible. Despite it being a late '90s, early 2000s ish movie, I thought these special effects held up very well. Yeah, especially in that opening sequence. Like that's where they're at their strongest. That, yeah, that first battle, battle yeah, is, that was awesome. It, it still looks great. Um, but even like the yeah. scenes of Rome, which use the most intense CGI, <laughs> it all held up pretty well. Yeah, like, I, I think it didn't stand out too much as CGI. It didn't look too bad. Yeah, I think I, it's because they're not CGing uh, creatures or people. Yeah, the CG is buildings, buildings and it's way easier for that yeah. to parse as something substantial and real. Uh, well, they they, yeah. they do CG. They do like the creatures little, and but, people, but they're little, right? Like they do it from a distance. Yeah, and they do yeah. like crowd effects where you like you yeah. film a real crowd and then and you kind of like, like, duplicate them. Yeah, um, but even some of the like the tiger stuff was CG. Yeah, though, it's good CG. Yeah, those yeah. yeah. Like it was, it was obviously like a mix of like real yeah. and CG. Yeah, because like, you can't actually have a tiger like pounce on someone. Like, yeah, at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's dangerous. Yeah, uh, um, but yeah, I agree. This did not suffer from the Star Wars prequel effects. Yeah, um, even though it's made at the same time. Yeah, it helps that they're better movies too. Uh, yeah. yeah, and they also um, the the slaver character who's yeah. played by the uh, older Proximo. Proximo, yeah. he died during the filming of this. Really? And they did like a Paul Walker thing where they wow. they had like a body double and then like CGI'd his face onto the body double. And okay. at the time it was like crazy expensive. I so sure was. They, they ended up having to spend like $3 million for like less than three minutes of footage. It's interesting because they had yeah. to do the same thing in The Sopranos in like the second or third season when the mom dies. Mm-hmm. Mm. And they do a similar effect where they have like a face over a body double and it's awful. <laughs> it doesn't oh, look good boy. at all. And this would have been several years after this. Yeah, so yeah. They, they said they, um, they, they did a few tricks to like hide it where when he's often like in shadows, like he's like speaking in shadows. Okay. 
Sure. Or like from a shadow, right. and that like allows them to hide it even more. Okay, I did know. not know that. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I didn't notice anything. The only thing that seemed maybe a little peculiar was his death scene, where you know you just see his back and then he gets stabbed. But I mean, that yeah. still like kind of makes sense to show it that way. It just seemed a little maybe abrupt, a little unceremonious. Yeah, very Julius Caesar esque. Yeah, yeah. and the, and that was why is because he died. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yep. yeah the. Coliseum, I thought it held up great. And the what scene? The Coliseum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the scenes in the Coliseum are like so much fun to watch. Yeah. Like just big and really well choreographed. Yeah. It's really easy to follow the yeah. action. Yeah. And they do a good job of like focusing in on things and then like looking out and above from like the the yeah. crowd's perspective. So you and, get this yeah, the geography of it. And yeah. it Russell Crowe, I think, does a good job of acting while doing the action sequences. Because I think that there are some actors mm. that will get into the action sequence and, like, stop communicating character. And I think that he's, he still does. And, like, the movie does a good job of still communicating mm. who he is and what he's doing within these action sequences that keeps it more personal um, and more tied down to this character, which is really what's driving the movie anyway. Which is impressive because apparently he was like abominable to work with. Uh, always, right? Like, is yeah. that just how yeah. he is? <laughs> So yeah. apparently he hated the the lines like are written goofy because they're meant to be like yes. super eloquent because we think of Romans yeah. as being very eloquent because right. we only read like poets and writers. We only uh, read the eloquent people from that. Yeah, time. Exactly. right, exactly. So we think that like everybody spoke that way, yeah. and the people that wrote that shit probably didn't speak that way. They just wrote that yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And apparently he like refused to read the lines. He like really re rewrote a lot of them himself and. Was okay. like very, very difficult to work with throughout the filming of Ridley this. Scott let him get away with that. Yeah, I wonder wow. what the original lines would have sounded like then, because sometimes it gets a little silly when they're overly formal. Yes, which is what this movie does, but it does it well. Like well, it's because it's well acted. Well, I mean, overly yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. This movie didn't yeah. feel overly formal. It just felt the right amount. Yeah, because they like, hired good actors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. it was like it's Joaquin they Phoenix. The, right, well, the guy who played Proximo is like a good like yep. classic uh, actor. Yeah, and Russell Crowe is a good actor. Connie Nielsen really. I, I was impressed by her in particular here uh, in ways that I hadn't in prior films. Um, the guy that plays the the North African guy, um, whose name is difficult to pronounce for Americans. Jimon Hanso. Is that how you say it? I don't know if that's the right pronunciation. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, he's also really good. Um, yeah. I like I liked his character a lot. He's this, a worker. He's a lot of things. Through. Yes, yeah. he is. Yeah. He, he One thing around. I got confused by was, I think that Connie Nielsen looks exactly like um, Diane Lane. I think they look exactly alike. And it's funny because they both, they both play superheroes mothers in the DC universe because <laughs> Connie Nielsen plays Wonder Woman's mom and Diane Lane plays was it Superman's mom yes. I think yeah yes yeah because Batman Batman's, Batman's mom is dead, dead. Yeah, yeah. So Superman's mom but they yeah. look so similar that I thought it was Diane Lane the whole time nope Connie Nielsen Gladiator and then I looked it up after and I was like why isn't Gladiator on Diane Lane's IMDb page that's why yeah because it wasn't her no I, I see it like I, I see the similarity. Yeah, uh, she was also good, and I think like all because the actors are so good, they're able to like read lines that sound silly. Yeah, that sound <laughs> like poetry. Um, well, it's interesting but, that that Russell Crowe did that because I think it does set off his character against Commodus really well, right? Because Commodus, yeah. the, the Joaquin Phoenix character, gets a lot of like the most flowery and like you know elaborate 
verbiage. <laughs> like he's, he, it's, it flows out of him. And it, he's a child it, of privilege. Exactly, right. right. And it sets him off against Maximus, who's this man of the people who yeah. actually is working, going out and doing work and like doesn't have time to sit down and, and read the classics, which at the time, I guess, was he's just not like a native stuff. Roman. He's right, from he's from Spain. Spain. Yeah, right, so he probably doesn't speak Latin natively. I don't know. But um, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, so I think that that was an accidentally effective choice uh, for Russell Crowe, that he, mm -hmm. he, he, it helps to differentiate these two men. Yeah. And like these two men are really what this story is about. It's about these two guys. Um, and uh, that's a happy, uh, happy accident. Yeah, yeah, it's about like adopted sons versus yeah. natural yeah. sons, right? Yeah. And, well, and, and just like all that they represent. And I think that that's what really, when you get down to it, makes this movie work for me, is that the political intrigue and like the the push pull about who has the power and who has the crowd is you know relevant to the movie, but not important. And what what really is important is that it, the movie can take this huge story about you know an empire collapsing and who controls the government and who controls the people, and boil it down to just this conflict between two guys mm -hmm. fighting over a father's love and that Ridley Scott is able to communicate that well and that mm -hmm. he is able to find the actors that can communicate that well and not make it look absurd I think keeps this movie grounded uh, in a way that is very difficult to do like it would be easy mm -hmm. for this to just become absurd to be to like really go off the rails and that we still keep it focused on these two guys and the conflict between these two guys that that's effective drama to me Mm -hmm. Yeah, that worked. That worked really well. Um, yeah, I think yeah. just building on that, like the motivations of the characters are so clear yeah. through the film. Yeah. yeah, and does a good job of showing, not telling. Yes, right. Like yeah. we see Russell Crowe like escape home mm -hmm. that his home has been destroyed. Yeah, I mean it's so. it, it's never subtle. Like this is not a movie sure. that is concerned with like you unearthing what it's about, like it's telling you what it's about. But I think that's why it's so popular. But, right, exactly. Good. But it's a populist film, and that's okay. what it is supposed to be. It was released in the summer, right? Like it won the <laughs> Academy Award. It's not going to uh, be this subtle art piece. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. Like there's room for that. Yeah. That works. Yeah, it's a it's a Ridley Scott movie. Right? It's, a, it's a Ridley Scott movie, exactly. <laughs> or a Scott Brothers movie. Yeah. yeah. You know, I didn't realize that it was directed by Ridley Scott, but I don't know if I could pick out Ridley Scott's style or anything like that, or like an indicator that is by him. Visually, I don't know if you could, um, but in terms of like this, the ideas that he deals with and the way he tells stories, like uh -huh. again, he's not a subtle filmmaker, right? Like sure. he, he's going to be making these big movies with pretty big obvious ideas and broad characters that fit into, you know, stereotypes pretty snugly. Sure. And, which is fine. Like doing that well is valuable, and we need those kind of movies, and we should have them. And Ridley Scott, that that's what he does. Like he, he gives okay. us those movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he was actually like apparently able to kind of like navigate what could have been a pretty disastrous film production. Um, so in addition to like trying to control uh, his main actor, he. <laughs> Uh, started working off a script that was essentially like unfinished and okay. was like still being rewritten when they started filming, and that's like always like a formula for disaster. Dang. Oh, no kidding! And, yeah. and somehow they were able to, you know, cobble together what could have been like a really bad movie. Yep, an Academy Award winner, yeah. multiple, right? Because it won Best Picture. Uh, I think Russell Crowe won. Mm -hmm. uh, unbelievably, Joaquin Phoenix did not. I think, which is just. 
extraordinary to me. Yeah, he goes yeah. on to like have success though. Yeah, right, and so. to make better movies and give even better performances, but he yeah. is the strongest performance. Was in this, this movie. his like breakout performance? What is, yeah, that's a good question. I uh, think it was. Yeah. yeah, that seems pretty likely. Because he wasn't designed to be. I'm worried I'm gonna like fuck up our recording because that's like what happened tonight. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, this was like what put him on the map, at least in front of like a, a larger audience. Yeah. yeah, and since then I think he's shown to be really one of the best actors that we have working on. His brother was like a famous child actor who huh. OD'd on heroin. And that's... River? He, yes. Is that his name? Yes. He rivers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, he OD'd outside a club on Sunset Boulevard. And uh -huh. the, the, yeah. Yeah. I think his brother was in the, the Lost Boys. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. That does sound right. Yeah. But you yeah, I think, seen, have you seen The Lost Boys? No, I don't think so. It's about vampires. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's about what? Vampires. vampires. It's a vampire yeah. movie. Oh. It's like a teen vampire movie from like the 80s. Yeah. Okay. So. Like, like Kiefer Sutherland is one of The Lost it's, Boys. It's exactly yeah. as good as it sounds. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, both the Corys are in it. Yeah. I forget. I haven't seen yeah. that movie in a while. But I don't want to watch it again. Uh, so <laughs> there's that. Uh, but I do think that, um, again, Walking Phoenix is the best part of this movie. I think that since then, he has kind of picked up the Marlon Brando mantle. Hmm. I think that he's the closest thing we have to Brando currently working um, as this really versatile and naturalistic actor. Hmm. Um, and I think that he, like, he even While has... also being a weird person and, yeah, in his personal life. <laughs> weirdo, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, like, eBay, Brando even had his early um, Sword and Sandals movie where he, like, proved he had the real chaps because he'd made Julius Caesar. Um <laughs> So yeah, I think that there's a lot of parallels between their careers. One of the films that this film liberally steals from. It's the Julius Caesar? Yeah. 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 Well plays, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. I mean it's yeah. it's kinda hard not to. Like if you're making a, mm -hmm. a Roman and it's like piece. that and like Spartacus. Yes. That it like steals from And Ben Hur. And Ben Hur. Yeah. Definitely Ben Hur. They even have the chariots in that one moment. Yeah. yeah. Which is I think one of the cooler action sequences. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That was awesome. Yeah. And all the action scenes. I love so the awesome. The spinning blades that they yeah. have on the chariot, and it just fucking like yeah. cuts the warrior woman in half. Yeah, you're not expected to be that effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that brutal, right? It's just this, yeah, like abruptly very, very gory moment. Yep. Yeah. They also have the like the super strong guy who like gets shot with an arrow, but like keeps going. Yeah. Yeah, that guy takes a beating throughout the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and like, he's sort he's of like unceremoniously huge. slaughtered at the end of the. Yeah, film. it takes like two or three arrows, and yeah, yeah. Um, well, at least were... he didn't do the trope of like taking three arrows and then getting up and killing two more guys and then finally going down like uh, Sean Bean, like Sean Bean, <laughs> yeah, in, in sure, a, or Fellowship of the Ring, yeah. like the the dude in Three Hundred or the right. dude in the Three Hundred sequel, Three Hundred One, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Three Hundred One Dalmatians, <laughs> exactly like that. <laughs> we got another guy. Uh, so yeah, he did. He did not do that. Um, that said, that is that gets to one of the things I find a little bit troubling about this movie, mm -hmm. um, in that it is so like there's the you know the the most famous line of the movie like it's the, the are you not entertained? It's calling into question like both in the context of the movie the people that are watching these fights and like watching people get murdered and also calling into question Hollywood audiences that go to action movies <laughs> and like are super into that. But then it's like totally reveling in it <laughs> like uh, unashamedly yeah. just it, about it doesn't make the audience like question its, anything yeah yeah it's enjoyment of what's happening yeah this is not inglorious bastards this is not goodfellas this is not wolf of wall street right like the, the this is just like totally owning and like basking in all of the violence well, wolf of wall street wasn't effective at that 
Yes, it was. Are you kidding? Like that's. I feel like a lot of people missed the point on that. Yeah, one. they're wrong. Like Scorsese <laughs> was crystal clear. Well, same with Wall Street, right? Where, yeah, where people just were like, "Gordon Gecko's awesome." Right, Fight Club. Hey, if the people yeah. missed the point, you haven't conveyed it strongly enough. Uh, no, I think I think that they're just not getting it because <laughs> I mean, it was so obvious. Media literacy. Yeah, exactly. Right, like yeah, okay. that's just fundamental reading of films uh, to understand what Wall Street is saying. Uh, and but this movie is not even making the attempt, right? Like there is no sincere effort to say, "Oh, maybe you guys shouldn't be that into this." So like they're saying, "Look at how cool all of this violence is. <laughs> Don't you want more of it?" Well, that's because <laughs> this is fake violence, and that's different, yeah, right? Right, right, exactly. Uh, so I think that that is. I think it speaks to some of the lack of thought in what Ridley Scott does. Hmm. Um, I think that he is good at communicating these big ideas. He's not a very deep thinker. Like, sure. I don't think that he's really going to be challenging Went us. Went for the flash. And it's not, yeah, he's not interested in challenging us. Yeah. Which is well. disappointing because he does put together this cast that would be able to draw that out. Right? Like, if he if he was interested in that, Russell Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix and Connie Nielsen, like, these people are able to get at those questions with subtlety. Um, and he just doesn't ask him to. Yeah, I think yeah. that's hard to do when you're like writing the film while you're making. Y- it. Yes, yeah. like there are multiple problems. Like you'd have to have like a lot of forethought to right. how to frame it in that way. Yeah, and if you're looking at it with a lot of forethought, you're not going to start shooting with no script. So there you go. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think that that is it's kind of a built-in problem when you when you start doing this. Um, but it's still, it, it feels like this movie could have been uh, even. It could have been more. It could have been more thoughtful. It could have been deeper. Yeah, it didn't seem like they set out to condemn the bloodthirstiness of the people. Yeah. I mean, it was more about, like, the revenge tale. Yeah, I mean, the that's, Roman Empire yeah that, that's that. what it ended up, ended up being about. But it gives, like, this lip service to, oh, you have to, like, the mob, you have to, like, trick them into, yeah. into this stuff. And it, there, the, there's the, a the, very tiny bit that seems to, um, to condemn mm-hmm. the gladiatorial combat is just when this the senators are talking to each other about it and how barbaric it is. Right. And it's, and there's, it's a very brief scene. I think the North African character is also supposed to convey that because mm-hmm. his sort of like longing for home is supposed to make us feel bad that Right. Yeah. And well, then they cut to a lady getting cut in half. Yeah. <laughs> well, one that I liked yeah. was um, the, when they had the translator and he talked about how he could speak seven languages and the guy's like, well, that's too bad. You got to go fight and die or something like that. That might have been That's an, extended an extended cut. Oh, yes, yeah. it happened? All yeah. right. So well, they, they, okay, I watched the extended version, and it looks like the rest of you didn't. Yeah, um, but they I had don't a, recall that. Nope. Ever. Nope. <laughs> but when they're in North Africa, they have a guy who says, I'm a translator, I shouldn't be doing this, I can speak seven languages, but I can't fight. And um, Proximo has some like tough shit. pithy response about yeah. how, like... You know, you can you can scream for your life in seven languages that's, in combat that's, or that's something clever. like that. Yeah, that was, that was a good line. I, I probably didn't convey it right, but there was a good line there. Um, but I thought that was an interesting moment. Yeah, it's a shame that they, we didn't get to experience that. Of, uh, yeah, uh, it in a bad light where he's like people who would be useful elsewhere being thrown into the grinder for yeah. people's entertainment. Yeah, so, I mean, so I, it's kind of interesting. I can see why they cut that. But, yeah, I can see yeah. why they cut it. Um, I can also see why they might maybe shouldn't have. Like if if they do yeah. want to get at these. Yeah, because like that would be more like, nuanced ideas. That would be a subtle way to kind of like attack this system, right? Yeah. The, the movie's also like pretty on board with like the notion of empire. Yes, um, yes, because it starts mm-hmm. out where like the Romans are like sort of like finishing their conquering of like of Germany. what is eventually Germany, um, and that had been like in reality that that had been like very much like a guerrilla conflict mm-hmm. and. 
you know, this is like this outside force. It's like conquering. These well, as far as I'm aware, Germanic the Germanic, tribes. like barbarians, were the ones responsible for the fall of the Roman Empire eventually, right? One of them. I don't know if it was the Germanic ones. I don't know my Roman history well. Enough. Yeah, I don't know trivia. Roman history as well as I know it's, Greek it's history. It's coming from but, my vague yeah. trivia-related knowledge of history. That's like this cloudy entity in my head. So I don't know for sure. Uh, I'll, I'll defer to that expertise then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the movie is like pretty on board with like, yeah, look at these kind of like right these, these savages. Yeah, these savages yeah. and like this the more civilized Roman army comes in and takes over. Yeah, and we're obviously on the side of. The more civilized Roman army. Yeah. 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 Our ancestors, in a sense. Yeah. yeah. An interesting part of the movie that I liked was when they repeatedly asked, What is Rome? and try to answer that question. Yeah. Uh, and Especially I remember uh, Marcus Aurelius's first speech. He talks about how he's going through all these conquests, but he felt like all this bloodshed felt really pointless. And it was just kind of to keep the people of Rome happy because they get to go back home and announce all these victories. Right, and that goes with a lot of the themes of these fake battles meant to appease the people. Yeah, um, yeah. Just well, because they they want, you know, bloodshed, they want victory. Right? Well, for the nation, right? Right, right. and it kind of um, something else that fits with that theme is when they try to relive old Roman conquests in the gladiator battles, um, just because they want to relive these old tales of victory and glory for their empire. Yeah, the the yes, I agree. The part about that that I found troubling was that when he, when like the, when Marcus and uh, Maximus are having their tete a tete where you ask them to, you know, be emperor and he says no, um, the one of the lines, like, or one of the ideas that keeps coming up is going back to the old Rome, mm-hmm. right? Like, we're going we're gonna to take Rome back for the people. We're going we're gonna to go back to how it was. We're going to return to something. And it's hard not to read that, especially now hard not to read that kind of language as very reactionary and conservative, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard not to think about, like, returning to the idealized old as, mm-hmm. as like, I, I can imagine the GOP voter watching this and, <laughs> and like, seeing themselves. Make and, Rome great again. Yeah, exactly. Like, seeing themselves in Marcus Aurelius and, and in yeah. Maximus, like, this idea of having to return to something that was once great. Rather than moving forward and finding something new that is better than either what we had or what yeah. we have, and that part of the movie didn't age very well, like that because I know what they were getting at, and like those ideas are, are tough to not read as just very right wing. Well, did days. they specify what they meant by what old Rome was? The, yeah, well, that's part of it, right? Like when he asks them, "What is Rome?" like he doesn't have a very solid answer. It's like, oh, it's a whisper, and if you talk about it, it disappears, and it's <laughs> the people, and da, da 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 And it's like these really nebulous ideas. And what that means is any schmuck can come along and say, well, this is what I think it is, and now we're going to go back to my ideas of what old Rome was, right? Because like, even in a modern context, you talk about these people that want to go back to the make America great again, right? Like, they want to mm-hmm. go back to how it was. How it was was a 90% tax rate on rich people. It was, like, a 30% union participation. It mm-hmm. was being able to support a family of four on a single income. Jim Crow. Right? It, it was, it was yeah, on the negative end, it was Jim Crow. Uh, so, but what when they talk about going backwards, they're talking about Jim Crow. They're not talking about, <laughs> let's have a robust union system. Yeah. Right? And I think that that's what's dangerous about those ideas, is that when they say going back, they it doesn't mean anything or it means whatever you want it to mean right mm. like there's not the solid idea shoes. yeah and i think that this movie is kind of supporting that mode of thinking i mean it speaks to like the a historical nature of the movie yes yes yeah where like <laughs> yeah. the 
this is fiction that's <laughs> based on real things, but yeah. then there's like this story that's like cobbled together from like a lot of like kind of disparate ideas. Right. Um, and it does a good job of like telling its own story. But like when I first saw this movie or like one of the first times I saw this movie, we watched it in like world history class. In, <laughs> that's not the right venue. In <laughs> high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there were, uh, there were like elements of the lesson that were like, what is historically wrong about this movie? But what they that. focused on were not the correct things. Okay. Which were like in the, battle with the germans at the beginning like there weren't catapults like the romans okay. like war machines like were not that advanced yeah um so <laughs> they didn't even have trebuchets yeah yeah exactly, exactly. developed much, later, much right. later and yeah i think like when you don't like have like historical foundation or some sort of like ground to stand on then you're just gonna end up telling like your own stories right. which are you know, sort of like revel in things that like don't exist, right? And, which, and, and, which is this movie? Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's on one sense, it's fine. Like we need space for storytellers to tell their stories, right? And sure. Yeah. Like Fidel, like a lot of people have gone after this movie for those reasons. Like, oh, this this guy was actually died, you know, a hundred years earlier, and they didn't have catapults, and like the <laughs> Colosseum was actually in this spot or whatever. Yeah, and, and that's kind of stuff is like that doesn't yeah, matter. Like, it does not matter. You might as well have had like a Minotaur walk out and yeah. like <laughs> right. they, they fight that. Right. Know? Exactly. Like, that, uh, that's not. What what's important? Yeah, um, but we should still be able to keep in mind that like this is fiction and like accept it as fiction. Yeah, and um, actually, what's interesting is so something similar did happen in history where like a um, you know Caesar died in like right. a similar fashion. Right, and w- what happened <laughs> after that is really interesting. Where it's sort of like probably what inspires Game of Thrones was there are five people that who then claimed Caesarship. Okay. And then Rome just, like, descended into complete chaos. Wow. Whereas everybody yeah. thought that, like, things would get better and we could turn over to the Senate. Like, the opposite happened. And, yeah, of course. And, well, I mean, that, that's yeah. what happened. Yeah. That, that's how the Caesar ship came into being in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the they all conspired to kill Julius Caesar, and they did. And turns out that just some other dude took over, right? Like, yeah. That's kind of all played out. Um, so, yeah, it turns out that just murdering someone without a plan is not always the best strategy. Um <laughs> But yeah, I think that there are there are some uh, troubling politics in this movie uh, that we should be conscious of. Uh, mm-hmm. On top of just the the general troubling moral question of revenge stories in general, right? Like it, it's easy for revenge stories to be kind of gross and it just be kind of like very ego driven. Yeah. Um, and I I think that Russell Crowe is a subtle enough actor um, that it dodges that problem for the most part. Because um, I think he's motivated by the end of the movie, he's motivated by things other than just vengeance. Uh, but it would have been very easy for this movie to slip into just justifying bloodletting when you have been aggrieved, and that is again probably not a strong uh, moral tale. Yeah, yeah, I think it, like it's kept clear throughout the movie that like he actually like he doesn't want to do right. these things. Right. Yeah. Right. And well, and to the point where he's like actively like dissing the crowd and, yeah, he, yeah he does want to do these things. Caesar. He, he does want to do these things but he does want to kill Commodus the whole movie right like yeah. that is that is crystal clear and that's the revenge story right right so, so he accepts them as the means to an end right and it, so it kind of gets a little bit hazier there and like there's that moment when what's her name I forget the character's name but Connie Nielsen shows up in his cell and she's like oh I can be your partner and help you do all the 
stuff that you want to do and he just like says no for no reason right like there so there's there are moments when they're kind of pussyfooting around about <laughs> is he does he want to kill Commodus for revenge does he want to kill him because he's a bad emperor does he want to like win the crowd does he actually just want to run away and not be here mm -hmm. at all like it's a little bit hazy sometimes. he's also like the classic like or archetypical like reluctant murderer yeah right where yeah. he's like I wish I didn't have to slaughter all these guys. <laughs> yeah, but I'm really good at it. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to do it. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah, it has it has that problem going on as well. Um and and so much of that is made less obvious by again, just Russell Crowe's. Mm -hmm. he, he was the perfect actor for this for this role. Like there it's hard to imagine many other people doing this. Yeah, I mean, it, but it's like many like sort of like military apologists, right? Where yeah. they're like uh, he didn't. He didn't mean to kill he, he, right. thousands of people. Yeah, he didn't. But he did it out of like duty and honor and revenge. Yeah, he, and so, like, we're as an audience, we're like, okay, he firebombed right. that village out of patriotism. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, he didn't want to slaughter all those Germans on from a horse. Right? Yeah, right, right. Another interesting thing. I interesting thing I noticed was that the most diverse parts of the cast were. His fellow slave mates that were yeah. fighting along with him and that's kind of um like a display of the results of these like quote-unquote pointless roman conquests and yeah. imperialism because that's what you get you get all these like subjugated peoples who are relegated to slavery while the romans like you know live in their city um prosperously and watch people fight to the death for fun yeah I mean, there's a really clear class uh, theme and, and like they don't dig into it too deep but it is just ever present i mean it's kind of necessary when you're talking telling a story about slaves that there's there's going to yeah. be a, a class component to what's going on um class and race so yeah you're you're absolutely correct yeah and the movie is like isn't it like rome so cool like yeah, <laughs> right we're supposed to like it, it, uh, just be on board with it, the it doesn't yeah. point out this fact yeah. very clearly so i don't know if it was intentional um, but yeah, it, it well, is the, a parallel the, that I noticed. The cynical reading of that is, of course, that there's only space, it, for Ridley Scott, there's only space in the casting of this movie for persons of color if they're slaves, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> if they have no actual volition sure. within the movie itself. Which is kind of in line with some of Scott's other casting choices. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's a couple ways to read that. Um, so this movie did win Best Picture, which we mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, I wonder what it was up against. In 2001. I'm still, like, terrified to, like, touch the computer, so I don't want to yeah, look it, it up. But um, I'm, <laughs> I did look it up, and I'm not going to remember exactly offhand, but I think that this and the other movie that won around that same time, uh, Shakespeare in Love, are okay. very clear modern <laughs> examples of this Best Picture effect, where, like, a movie that's otherwise pretty good like uh, it gets like torn apart because we're looking for any kind of flaw or any reason to say that it is not the best movie that came out that year. Aren't people super upset that Shakespeare in Love beat like Saving Private Ryan? Yeah, it was some. I think they were the same year. Yeah, it won some prestige movie, and I I like Shakespeare in Love. Like I think Shakespeare in Love is a charming little romantic comedy. It mostly works. Ben Affleck's best performance. Period. Um, I think that it's a nice movie. That it, nobody, everyone thinks is garbage because they're like, oh, it, it like beat out Saving Private it's Ryan and unjustly, yeah, unjustly, American war movie. Yeah, did that. And I think that Gladiator kind of falls into that same category, and that it's like this big action movie 
that, you know, it's like a very male-driven, testosterone-oriented movie that's not really that concerned with any deeper ideas or, like, being artistic. Right, that doesn't seem like an Oscar-winning type of movie. <clears throat> right, well, and it, it won because it's a period piece, and that, like, is enough uh, huh. some of the time. And it wasn't a very strong year. Um, We're talking about Gladiator? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think that's kind of why I got it, and it has big names attached to it. Yeah. Uh, but it also is, un I think at this point, unjustly just called, like, oh, just the big dumb dad movie. And it is a dad movie, but it's not a dumb dad movie. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah, again, like it is a fun movie to watch. Right. Like this is an enjoyable movie, and right. it's it's long and it carries itself really well throughout. It's two and a half hours or something. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there are, there are moments when like the the dialogue is really silly, like, and there sure. are there are moments when the the action is over the top. I don't think this was the best movie that came out in two thousand. Yeah, and some of the like when they're sort of like fomenting rebellion. Yeah. That is not fleshed out really no, it's not, well at all. The, like, what yeah. exactly their goal is, or like how that will play out, or what the plan is even in the moment. Yeah. Not super clear. But again, that doesn't make it terrible. <laughs> that, could, that could also be, like, some of the editing, because I'd assume that, like, in the version that you saw, Charles, there's more explanation as to, like, how the rebellion is, like, fomented. Maybe. It would I mean, be hard he, for you to know. He reconnects... But, well, what I saw was he reconnects with um, his former servant... Uh, and they kind of have like some clandestine discussion about bringing the army back to the city, yes. and taking yep. it back over. It yeah, it's like one of his like generals, like yeah, yeah. It seemed clear enough. The Scarface guy. Yeah. 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 Who looked awfully familiar, and I forgot to look up who he is. Um, yeah. But yeah, there, yeah, that was the he's sort of there. like Pete Postlewaite role. In right. The film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like no, but he's not Pete Postlewaite. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I looked it up. Here are the nominees. Uh, for the 2001 Academy Awards, Gladiator, Aaron Brockovich, Chocolat, Traffic, Crushing Heart, Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Huh. Those yeah. are some of those films are good, but they're yeah. all like pop films. Yeah. Well, Traffic isn't, uh, and Crushing Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Traffic is, was huge. Like that was yeah, one, a yeah, very was, big film. Right, but yeah. it's not like something you sit on and watch for fun. <laughs> no, it's a bummer. Yeah, it's not Training Day. Yeah, it's not Training Day. It's not Gladiator. And right? like, Crouching Tiger was like one of the huge like foreign film like breakthroughs. Right. It, yeah, and that it, was Ang Lee, right? No, um, I don't think. Let me let's investigate. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, was it Ang Lee? You were correct. Good, good work. <laughs> yeah, um, that was a really fun movie too. Yeah, it was you good. want to talk about like how to treat historical fiction well? Yeah, just like let the characters fly and like do <laughs> like crazy ninja stuff. <laughs> right, right? it's like no questions. Like this is not what actually happened. Yeah, because right. Tiger does a good job of being like, yeah, these you didn't are know superheroes. The Chinese people could fly. In yeah, movie? yeah, right. <laughs> no, there's like a level of ninja that you can get to that like <laughs> like, like lets you fly around. Yeah. yeah, I mean the actual best movie that came out in 2000, if you ask me, is in the mood for love. Like I think that movie I've is. I've never heard of that one. Yeah, yeah okay. See it. It's really, really good. Crouching Tiger is really good. Though. Have you seen <clears throat> Crouching Tiger? You know, I'm not sure if I have. I may have seen it and forgot it at some point. I might be getting it mixed up with Hero. Hero was good. They're very similar. Films. I've definitely seen yeah. Hero. Like yeah. thematically very similar and stylistically very similar. Yeah, but I'm yes. not sure yeah. if I sat down and watched Crouching yeah, Tiger. Yeah, he, yeah. Hero's more recent. Um, but Hero's more of like a sort of like a pop. Film. It doesn't yes. have like the romance layer that like Crouching Tiger has, but right, mm -hmm. right, and, and yeah. it's much more focused on its like kung fu sequences. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Crouching Tiger does, is worried about that stuff, but not in the same way. Yeah, 
Uh, the other movie that came out in 2000 that I think is better than any of the ones that were nominated for Best Picture is Almost Famous. came out in 2000. Oh, really? Oh, yes. And that movie's great. That one's probably had like a much more lasting effect yes. on filmmaking. Yeah. No, without a doubt. Have you yeah. seen Almost Famous? I have Charles? not seen that one. You'd probably like it. I think any, that's just one of those movies that I think anybody would like. It's mm-hmm. just okay. one of those immediately likable and endearing films. Yeah. I think it's actually similar to... Um, the last movie that we watched, uh, <laughs> Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights, like, well, yeah, it's very music driven, and it's it's, so, it's just like a lot of stories. There's yeah. no like, there there is kind of a centralized story, but not really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. and it's it's another movie like, but with like this outsider that comes into this you know insular society mm-hmm. and is kind of exploring it and like maturing as he goes along. Yeah, um, he doesn't do any drugs or prostitute himself, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Yeah, that's a, just a great movie. It's like a it's like a sweeter. Version. That's a, a good way to think. About yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of music driven, I wanted to bring up the soundtrack of Gladiator. Because, yeah. um, so about a month ago, I had uh, gone to see a Hans Zimmer um, performance. So I saw Hans Zimmer perform some of his best pieces. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I did not know at that time that he had done the Gladiator soundtrack and I hadn't seen Gladiator yet. Okay. Um, so they started playing it. And I'm like, all right, this sounds like the typical, like, kind of historical music. And then, like, towards the end of it, I thought he had seamlessly transitioned into playing the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack, because it sounds <laughs> exactly like the Pirates soundtrack, which he also yeah. composed. Yeah. Like, that, I, that's actually something that I noticed in this viewing, too, is that, like, the way, especially the way the, the sound the soundtrack is mixed in this movie is uh-huh. very of its era. Like, it's kind of overbearing at times. Like, there's a lot. Like, yeah. it, it's much more orchestrated than I think you it's would It's meant see. to tell you how to feel. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. And it's very obvious about yeah. it, right? Like, I, I think that the... I don't know if it's Hans Zimmer's fault or not, but the, the soundtrack did not land for me here. Like, I think that it just wasn't used that effectively. I think you needed a more subtle touch. It um, just always took me out of it because it sounded yeah. so much like the Pirates soundtrack. Yeah. And I know <laughs> that theme really well, despite not like well, the, the Pirates Well, the Pirates theme movie. is, like, kind of sweet. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, like, well, it's the same yeah. theme. Yeah, and it makes really? sense for pirates because it's like this, even more of just a ridiculous movie, right? Like it's supposed to be like this big sweeping thing, and it's like leaning into how big and sweeping and silly it is. Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie, like, it wants you to take it seriously most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not doing things to comedic effect no. at all. Yeah, like it is a serious face movie. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And that's why you cast Russell Crowe. He's not a funny guy. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix can do humor. Russell Crowe cannot. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I, I agree that the, the soundtrack here was not not. I, and again, I don't know if it's Zimmer writing less effective songs or this had not been used that effectively. And I'm inclined sure. to say that it just wasn't really used that great. Um, so yeah, that was yeah a bummer. Yeah. Hans uh, Zimmer's great though. Hans Zimmer's great. There's a reason he keeps getting work. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he, the, you, you saw, went and saw him like right after we saw Dunkirk, right? You what? Right after we saw Dunkirk, you went and saw him? Uh, or right before? Yeah, yeah. yeah he didn't play any Dunkirk songs, in Okay, because that soundtrack was great. Yeah. Right, like, he was really good there. Yeah, that was the fantastic. stopwatch. But, yeah, the stopwatch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that worked yeah, really well. I love that soundtrack. Um, so, yeah, I think we have, um, they, we have the Academy Award for Best Picture. They won, it did not win for Best Director. No. Uh, Russell Crowe won for best uh best actor i'm curious who else was nominated in best supporting actor because it seems like a gross injustice that joaquin that joaquin did not get up yeah because uh he was much better than russell was he not nominated or he he was nominated okay um but let's see 
Steven Soderbergh won Best Director for mm -hmm. Traffic. Uh, so, let's see. Traffic was, like, really big at the time, but I don't think it's had, like, a lasting no. effect. No, you haven't seen it, right? No. No. It's... Yeah, I've seen it, but I saw it once years ago. I don't remember it that well. Yeah, I remember really liking it. Yeah. And have, like, not sat down to watch it again. So it's yeah. one of those Best Picture nominees that'll just be forgotten in time. Well, he also yeah. remade it, like, a few times, essentially, with, like, Babel and... Oh, it's yeah, one of those Babel. Yeah. And yeah, a, where it's just like a bunch crash. of like intersecting storylines. Yeah, he did not yeah. do Crash. Okay, yeah. Crash is in the yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Crash like yeah, Twenty Eight Grams does a similar yeah. thing. Yes, and, yeah. Uh, Benicio del Toro in Traffic beat out Joaquin Phoenix, which is not some gross injustice, but I still think that man, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. Benicio's a good actor. He's <laughs> so a good serious face actor. Yeah, well, yeah. he's so versatile, right? Like that's that's yeah. what I find most impressive about him is that he can do this role and then in a few years do her and then a few years after that do Inherent Vice. Oh, Joaquin. Right. You mean Joaquin. I thought we were talking about Benicio. Yeah. Oh, no, I was still talking about... <laughs> Benicio is not versatile. No, no, he is not. He He's is, like yeah. serious face action guy or serious serious face action guy. <laughs> yeah, and right. he doesn't do anything else. Yeah, yeah. he was good in, uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy. He was. Yeah, and that was yeah. not serious at all. That movie's ridiculous. <laughs> so I guess yeah. he, has, he has some flexibility here. But not like Joaquin Phoenix, obviously. That guy's a chameleon. Mm. He, can, he can do anything. Yes. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, I feel like... Uh, that is one that's not going to hold up to history because I think even the people that criticize this movie a lot are in agreement that it's Joaquin Phoenix that is is making it good or like the best part of it mm -hmm. anyway. Um, yeah, but it's yeah. Russell Crowe that's keeping it grounded, right? Like I think that his his seriousness and his mm -hmm. like never smiling yeah um, is <laughs> is what is <laughs> keeping this from like yeah and he's going nuts. He's a tragic character. Like yeah, you feel sad for him. Yeah, like he's good yeah. at looking really sad and also manly at the same time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's Sad. he's bummed out. But yeah, uh, I, one thing I liked about Joaquin Phoenix's performance is that he manages to seem weak and strong at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, like on the one hand, he's this kind of whining, insufferable, spoiled kid uh, who just wants his dad to be proud of him. Right. And on the other, he can fuck you up because he's like got these troops, the, he's the Praetorian Guard or whatever. Like he, his threats hold weight. Yeah. So he's like scary and obnoxious and annoying at the same time. It's a very interesting character dynamic. Yeah, like one of the great moments um, is towards like the beginning or the middle of the movie when they're back in Rome and he asks his sister to stay with him and mm. he, he's like not demanding it, right? Like it's like this actual, this, just this plea for connection, but mm. also like in this fundamentally really creepy, gross way because it's oh, yeah, sister. There was that creepy undertone of... No, that wasn't an undertone. Like that was an overtone. Well, like there's, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like there, they Long have, word. yeah, they have an incestuous relationship. Yeah, so. uh, but there's that when he uh, first raises it, like it's it's this almost sorrowful moment for him. Like yeah. he's, he's pleading in this kind of pathetic way, um, and he's he switches between those modes really well, mm -hmm. um, and it it brings a lot of depth. Or at least it brings another dimension to this character. Though. Yeah, and that then furthermore, the since he switches so much, you're unsure if he's genuinely looking for an emotional connection or if he's just using that, like, feigned weakness to lure you in. Yeah. You're never sure. Yeah, he does a good job of, like, switching from, like, being kind of, like, menacing to this, like, almost this, like, spurned, like, yeah, teenage like a, boyfriend. Yeah, like yeah. a sniveling character, right? Yeah. Like, he's, yeah. he's, he's... Pathetic is the right word. He's yeah. just... Uh, you pity him in, in, in a sense yeah um, and that he's able to because I, I think if you were to just read the script of Gladiator Commodus would read it as a really despicable guy exclusively mm -hmm. and he is certainly despicable on the screen as well but I think that 
Joaquin finds this humanity in him as mm. like this guy that really, really did just want his father to love him and really does care about, you know, holding his family together and things like that until he threatens to kill them. Um, <laughs> and like the scene where he is talking about the virtues that his father values and he says like, none of, I, I, I lack, I have none of those, right? But you didn't list ambition, you didn't list yeah. resourcefulness, you didn't list all this stuff that he has that is still valuable. Yeah. Like you, you can see that this has truly wounded him, right? And yeah. he's not just saying it because he's angry that he's not going to be emperor. He's saying it because his feelings are hurt. And he, that he feels like his father like specifically targeted him right. with those words. Right, like here's a list of fail failures. Here's a list of things that you didn't measure up to. And like you see you see the pain there. And mm -hmm. that is a, a, that he is able to take this really villainous, despicable character and like get that kind of sympathy out of him, yeah. or at least understanding out of him, uh, I think speaks to his thoughtfulness as an actor. Yeah. So my point is, you definitely should have beat out Benicio Del Toro for the, yeah. <laughs> the best supporting We'd actor. have to rewatch Travic and yeah. see. It, yeah, how they stack up. I mean, and that's kind of the problem with the awards and ranking in general, right? Like, they're both great actors that gave great, great performances, right? Like, sure. what value is there really in saying this guy was better yeah. than this guy? You know, uh, what does that get us? Not that much. Also, there was the interesting bit um, where they say that the sister could have been the emperor if she weren't a woman. Yeah. And yeah. she proves throughout the entire movie that she's capable of leading. Yep. Um, well, especially right at the end. Yeah. Right? Like, she has, like, a slightly better moral compass. And, yeah. like, she's clearly, like, more effective Well, she seems to be politics. the family yeah. member, yeah. The, the child of the emperor that fulfills his characteristics of becoming a good emperor. Yeah. But... Apparently she can't well, really, that's, because she's a woman. That's Maximus, though, really. Well, yeah. yeah he was but writing... I mean, of his biological children. She was, yeah, she's closer. And I think you can see where... The, I mean, if there were going to be a sequel, um, you can see like them propping up the, the kid, Lucius, as the emperor, and her running the show behind the scenes, right? Like, that sure. is what would happen yeah. next. You but, spoke to a sequel. Yeah, there's a, there was an actual sequel, right? So there's a, a bonkers... <laughs> like sequel script <laughs> i've heard about this i yeah no i don't remember all the details but so from what i understand there was a <laughs> script written where uh, maximus gets resurrected and then like jesus <laughs> travels through time <laughs> fighting like different battles so he like participates <laughs> in like the civil war in like world war ii i think and so he crosses. Was he the last samurai as the well? Atlantic, oh, yeah, right. yeah. Uh, I don't know all the details that well, but the, there was an insane script idea. How do you get a story like, out of that time travel? How do you come uh, up with this shit? Well, there's that, right? And why does it need to be a sequel to Gladiator? Like, why can't if you want to make this crazy time travel warrior movie? Like, well, I think I posited offline <laughs> that like sometimes scripts are written. Oh, I think I spoke about this actually yeah, in, the context, in Rocky. Yeah, in the context of Rocky, where yeah. like. Scripts are sometimes written and then uh, modified to yeah. be a sequel for another yeah. film. Yeah, and that may be one of these, but... We don't need to rehash that, but... Yeah, yeah that, that may be one of these, but this is... Or, such, or it could just be a crazy script. It that, could, but yeah, who even... It's like Titanic 2, right? Like, yeah. the main character <laughs> dies at the end. Like, how do you how do you make... Or the, the boat rises and right. haunts the people. Or yeah. the Jurassic World script, which there was, like, an oh, earlier God. version of that was, like... Similar to what Jurassic World ended up being, but a lot more into, like, the genetic modification of the dinosaurs to, like, for, like, military purposes. Okay. That's what the and, people want. And that's, like, <laughs> pushed into a subplot in yeah. Jurassic World. 
but there was like an earlier version of the script where it was like all about that. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, life yeah. finds a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I think that I would probably watch that movie if <laughs> if they made it. Like, it just sounds too insane to not do it. Um, I can't imagine Russell Crowe would agree to make it at any point in his career. No. Yeah, it's kind of like the Highlander sequel, which is like I've not seen crazy. that. Have you seen Highlander? No. Nope. That is well, one I missed. You guys are missing out. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm aware of the the line. So the premise of uh, okay, real quick, <laughs> premise of Highlander is <laughs> they're 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 Highlanders, right? And Highlanders are these like indestructible beings that you can only kill by beheading them. Yeah. And the main character is a Highlander, but doesn't know it. And then later goes on to discover <laughs> that he's a Highlander. Uh, he's trained by Sean Connery, who's Spanish, but still speaks in a Scottish accent. Okay. All right. Um, so this is like John Wayne as Genghis Khan. Kind of yeah. Thing. Okay. So, Red so there's there's a concept within the Highlander lore called the Quickening, where the Highlanders are drawn to each other for combat. Um, okay so that's like that's like Highlander 1 like the main character like defeats the bad Highlander okay Highlander 2 takes place in the future where there's a shield uh, blocking the sun and the Highlander like is one of those scientists who created the shield and uh, but but then he's a scientist now yeah but then he like disappears and like Someone like an evil corporation like buys the shield, and then he has to, he like comes back and like, with and Sean Connery comes back even though he dies in the first Highlander spoilers. Um, All right, and they like destroy the shield and like save the Earth in the future. Um, sounds pretty rad. Sounds a lot like Terminator. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it so this, this is one of those films that yeah. just like the sequel just like went way off the rails. Yeah, like, isn't that yeah. what happened in the Simpsons when Mr. Burns died? He tried to block out the sun to drive up electricity prices. Yeah, there, you, there, <laughs> it's really similar plot-wise to that. Okay. Sense. The baby did it, it turns out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, uh, so Highlander and Simpsons, basically the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my point being, though, that, like, there are these, like, sequels that just go way off the rails. Okay. That, like, just kind of, yeah. like, throw away the original lore and, like, write their own. Like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's... It's amusing. Something. That is amusing. We got a yeah. kick out of it just now. So this yeah. would have like been that. Yeah. Essentially. Okay. Yeah. Um, any uh, any closing thoughts on, uh, on Gladiator? How that we've gone over the Highlander. I, I feel like we've dumped on the movie a lot, but I think that, like this is an enjoyable movie. I think it's like very competently made, yes. which goes a long yeah. ways. It's edited really well. Like it's not boring. There's there's no like downtime in this movie that is mm. boring. Like when there is exposition, yeah, yeah. It, it like never it, felt like it dragged. Yeah, yeah. And I think for that an almost three hour long movie uh, for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that that editing is really important. Yeah, yeah. Especially though in those action sequences. Like there's there there's even these moments where like you'll get a very very quick shot of a character looking at something and then a quick shot of the thing they're looking at and just like even like that little stuff to establish what's going on and like yeah. where the sequencing is happening like that goes a long way towards making these yeah. chaotic action scenes more understandable more clear um, and that's it's easy to mess that up yeah and i think that the movie does a good job of like having a lot of characters but then focusing on the right characters so there's like sure. There's like an extended kind of like team of gladiators yeah. and we understand who they are pretty quickly yeah. and their differences and how they work together. And then there's like kind of like tertiary gladiators that kind of like come and go. 
Um, as Gladiator yeah. will too. Yeah, but the yeah. film does a good job, like focus, it, like it knows who its core characters are and yeah. is able to like focus on that. Right. Well, and it still doesn't like spend too much time on like the relationship between Maximus and the other Gladiator, right? Because that's not the core relationship in this movie. The core yeah, relationship it spends is... enough that you have some heart in it, right? Between and... him and uh, the African guy, right? right. So, because like, when... it gives them like a few like moments where they're yeah. able to like talk to yeah, each other, some nice yeah. emotional connection moments, right? But it's yeah. not directly the movie. It's not like yeah. moving focus away from what's really important here. So it, it stays, you know, on its path, yeah, um, which is important for a movie like this to just be clear, just like be precise about what you're saying, versus say like. Uh, you know, we've dunked on like Transformers many times, but you have like all these kind of like ancillary robots, right? And yeah. You're just like, yeah. I don't know who these characters are, or right. why we should care about them. Right, right. The, the yeah. lack of main characters. Yeah. Like that is, which Star Wars movie was criticized for that, not having a main character? Is that episode one? One of them. Anyway, one of them is well, like. The, the, one has its own set the, of problems. Yeah, so. exactly. But then, I mean, that's, 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 that's a probably thing. one of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or a few of them. Um, but yeah, this movie stays more focused, um, which is a good quality in a summer blockbuster. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, it's hard to do. Yeah. It, it's hard to shoot ac- action sequences competently. Yeah. And it, it's and even simple stories. It's hard to tell them well. And uh, if it were easy, we wouldn't see so many terrible movies. Right. <laughs> yep. like, we, we would just see more movies that look like this. And we don't, I think, which is a, a very clear evidence of the difficulty level. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. We probably have spent too much time talking about what is, isn't working here, but there's a lot that does work, and it is, in my view, worth seeing still and still good, although not the best movie. It's fun. It's like a good like TV movie, and it would and it's on TV a lot. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's yes. on TBS like monthly. Yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah. we see a reference a lot, so some of the big moments I already knew about. Yeah, and, yeah, and there's a lot of that. Like there's you know quintessential lines in this. There's the one we've already quoted. There's the, you know, I am Maximus Aurelius of the army, husband yeah. of a murdered wife, father to a murdered son, like that whole speech. That gets quoted a lot as well. Yeah, which is still great, right? Like that, that yeah. it's well, really I hard. feel like it lost its impact on me since I've seen it referenced so many times that I already knew what it was and what it was going for. Oh, I've, I've seen it kind of blunted the effect of it for me. Yeah. I it, think, it, it's also easy to like mis- misremember the film where it, like it has more action than it actually does. Sure, like the film is actually like pretty chatty. Yeah, and yeah. the number of fights there's only like a handful of fights in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to like Jurassic Park, where like the dinosaurs were only on screen for like 14 minutes or something. Yeah. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, 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 ex- exactly. But we think of it as being like yeah, and the critics do mostly too. dinosaurs. Because like, yeah. I did look at some of the old reviews. Because yeah. you're right, that there is a trajectory as to what critics thought about this movie, and even the old ones are like, this is a really gory movie. This is a high action, high octane thing. And I mean, it's high, high action and high octane in the sense that it's propulsive and moving forward. With yeah. But you're right. Like, there's the big battle at the beginning, right? Yep. With the with the, uh, the German tribes. There's the the battle. There's two battles uh, when he's in Africa. Yep. And then like another one or two in the Colosseum. And this is a two and a half hour movie. And that's right? it. Like, they, there's a good amount of battles in the Colosseum, right? Like. They have the one with the chariots reenacting yep, yes. an old battle. There's tigers. one against the other gladiator that has the tiger. Who came out of uh, retirement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the battle with him and Joaquin. Yeah. And that's and it. I think there's, there's there might be one more, but I there think might, that's pretty much it. The one they put down, like, the slave rebellion. 
That that's an accurate sequence. Yes. Um, not in the Coliseum, but still. But the then, rest was like Joaquin Phoenix, like crying in a feather bed or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. that's <laughs> or then, like, conspiring with senators in a you know dimly lit room and stuff like that. Like for a movie that it's an action movie and there's action sequences that make up a good yeah. chunk of it, but it's not you know the raid, right? Like it's just it's not you know wall to wall yeah. killing. Yeah. Uh, so I I think that that's yeah people are misremembering the movie in that sense. Which is a bummer. Like I, th- I think this is one worth returning to, and like worth kind of. It, it needs one of those things, the one of those think pieces where people are like, actually, maybe this movie's pretty good. I'm sure that exists. I'm, I'm sure it does yeah. too. But um, <laughs> if it, if it doesn't, <laughs> someone out there needs to write it for for yeah. Gladiator because this one is it's gotten some flack that it shouldn't have. Yeah, I mean the most misremembered or misunderstood movie is like um, probably Starship Troopers. Yeah, well, yeah. in the sense that it's misunderstood, right? Misunderstood and yeah. unfairly maligned. Yes, yeah. well, because yeah, people just thought it was utter garbage, right? Yeah. Like, it just was not a real. Movie. Charles, you've seen Starship Troopers, right? Yeah, I've seen that a few times. Yeah, that's a shame. I love watching that <laughs> movie. It's great. Yeah, yeah I love it. it. Yeah, that is super good. Um, and I'll, I'll return to Shakespeare in Love. I maintain that that's actually a good movie, um, and it. It, did, it probably didn't deserve the Oscar, but it deserves to be remembered as a pretty good rom com. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So okay, yeah. What, uh, are you, what are we watching next week? Uh, we're gonna go back to a director that we have seen before. Um, we're also gonna get out of the '90s and 2000s because I think we've been watching too many recent movies. Um, and we're gonna watch uh, Rear Window, Alfred Hitchcock. Nice, okay. classic. Do for another Hitchcock. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this is the one. Uh, I think Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart again, um, in a more All quintessential right. Jimmy Stewart role, I think. Um, well, it's mostly Jimmy Stewart, so... Oh, you, you're right, yeah. yeah, in terms of, like, him on screen almost the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think this is probably his one of his top three best-remembered movies. Mm-hmm. Um, really well-known, really famous, really influential, so... So it'd be um, that, Vertigo, and Psycho? Yeah, I think that's okay. how it goes. The Birds is up there, um, although the Birds is not as good. North by Northwest. There's just so many, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are. Yeah. There's yeah. so many. Dial yeah. for Murder, uh, Man Who Wasn't There. Strangers yeah. on a Train, yeah. um, the yeah. Man Who Did Too Much. Yeah, he just Oh, has... my dad wanted us to do Strangers on a Train. We should do Strangers on a Train. Your dad is correct. Okay. <laughs> well. he, he, he nailed it. Um, <laughs> uh, but we're going to do Rear Window first. Um, so thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, join us next week for Rear Window. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can help us reach a larger audience by rating and reviewing it on iTunes. It only takes a minute and makes a big difference. Thanks, and enjoy the episode.